for being here, man. We're yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I know. Appreciate it. My you. pleasure. Been a long time coming, right? <laughs> Ready? Yep. Welcome back to Fortitude, folks. Uh, the guy running the board, Brenton Payne. Uh, how are you, Brenton? I'm gonna play something else. Stick with us. To stick with stick with There's you, babe. Too many sounds going on. J.W. Okay. Wilson here. You're a co-host. Uh, thanks for joining us on Fortitude. Brought to you by Cap Tex Bank. I was just gonna thank them. Mike Thomas and the gang. Throw local bank. Only one or two here. They're good. Right down the street from mm-hmm. our guest's uh, location right, that he's right. gonna talk about. We're we're a local show so far. We we bank local. Cap Tex. We love you guys. Thank you. Yes. So getting to uh, this gentleman sitting between us, so we have good. we have a legend in the house. One Dat Win. Thank you, Dat, for being here. Yes, thank, thank you, you very for much. Having me, guys. I can't find the applause button fast enough, but I will in the <laughs> post production. Give him one job, Dat. One yeah. job. Yep. So okay, and I can't even get the. Yeah, oh, yeah. Super we, we've, already, we've moved on. Okay. Yes. So, Dat, let's get into your background because a lot of people are interested to hear what you have to say on certain subjects. You've done quite a bit in your in your life. You were born in a refugee camp in Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. Can you give us briefly the the, the story there? Yeah. So, um, obviously, there, that was during the. The war, uh, the Vietnam War, my family um, left Vietnam to come to America. And, um, you know, it's funny because uh, dad don't say much about um, experience. Uh, he was fortunate to own a little radio uh, and to listen to the news of what's going on during the war. When the North invaded the South, uh, the Viet Cong was taken over. Uh, he planted where, hey, when they come in, we're going to meet this boat or the Marine um, shipmen going to help us take our family uh, out to meet the American ships out in, in the sea. So uh, uh, I guess April 25th, 1975, that midnight, um, got the phone. I'm sorry, got the radio and got the whole family together. Uh, my mom was six, month, six months pregnant with myself, wow. five siblings. Uh, so um, they took his whole family at 30 years old and left, left his mainland to get on a boat to um, depart from his country. How many other families? I mean, did, was it one of those things where he's 50, he's planning with some other guys, absolutely. like we're going to all do this? Yes, sir, it was. And uh, we had uh, all immediate family, and everybody had a job. He delegated certain jobs to certain people. Yeah. And uh, there was almost about 50 people on the boat. And um, so we went out. And what's crazy was that uh, the, the VidCon got so close uh, because we lived in a small town called Binda. Um, I'm sorry, Vungta, yeah, south of Vungta, Binda, which is south of Saigon. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so we left, and um, the Viet Cong got in so close yeah. that they were shooting at my dad as they depart. No kidding. And uh, when he, they did that, the American ship had to back out, and they were technically couldn't connect. So we were stuck out there for about seven or ten days. Wow. Uh, in the, in the, in, and end up in Thailand about seven, ten days later. And my mom was pregnant with myself earlier, like I mentioned. And at that time, she always said that she didn't think uh, she could carry the pregnancy through and she felt like she was gonna get a miscarriage uh but fortunately um we got to thailand and connected with the thailandese did the paperwork got on land and then went to uh camp pennington mm-hmm. in san diego and then yep. from there we flew to fort chaffee arkansas at a refugee camp and that's where i was born and um and it's interesting um i was inducted into the texas sports hall of fame a few years back and uh lovey smith was an, was a recipient as well, and um, I went to the event and looking forward to seeing Coach because he coached me at my Senior Bowl when I was at Texas A and M, um, and and his wife was with them. Yeah, 
And all of a sudden, I saw Coach from a distance. I'm walking toward Coach, about to say hi to him. His wife comes out of nowhere, came straight to me. Her, she was crying, tears were falling. She goes, I, don't, you do, I know you don't know me, but I need to tell you a story. Can you please sit down? I said, yes, ma'am. I sit down. I was like, dude, what did I do? You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> and and uh, she's like, well, let me tell you the story. Uh, my dad just passed this past year. Um, you were a senior at Texas A&M. You played in the Sugar Bowl. I went to Ohio State. You playing against Ohio State. My, I was going to the game. My dad wanted to follow me to the game. So during the game, we're watching the game, and he would look over, and he goes, he's one of us. He's one of us. And she would look at him. She goes, Dad, what are you talking about? Who's one of us? Yeah. He goes, Dad. Dad was at, born at the refugee camp. Her dad was a supervisor. Oh, my gosh. At the refugee camp from Chicago. And on the weekends, he would go home and he would say, they're going to take him. I got to get back. They're going to take him. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to take him. And he keeps telling them that, the story about. So um, that was her story. So it was, was kind of cool. That's incredible. That's yeah, super cool. So, Who um, was he rooting for then to win in that game? Who, she was? Yeah. Oh, I mean, was, how, oh, they she totally was split. They, oh, those butt guys. You, know, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> so you're born in Fort, Ch- in Fort Chaffee. You, how did you end up in Rockport? Okay. So in Fort Chaffee, after we were there, we got settled a little bit. I think six ma- six weeks or so, six weeks in, uh, they started disputing distributing people all around the country. So some of our family members went to California, back to California, other went to Pennsylvania, went, and some went to South Texas, Gulf Coast, down in Mississippi. And uh, we went to Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, a Catholic church took us in and gave my dad a job, uh, gave us a 1970 Ford LTD, if you guys remember that car. Yes. Uh, so we were there for six months, um, and everybody, obviously, everything was letters, no phones back then. Um, my dad connected again with my relative down south. Um, I think it was Gulf Coast, Miss, Mississippi. And uh, he decided um, you know, during Michigan in the Kamazoo, yeah, the weather is not good for Asian people. So, <laughs> you know, I, when I got recruited by Michigan, I went up there for my visit and it was a great visit. And, and I, I remember coming back and I asked my dad, I was like, hey, we were in Kamazoo, Michigan. I went to Ann Arbor last weekend. People were great. Why didn't we stay in Michigan? He goes, son, or Southeast Asian people, we don't like that cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my dad and my brother, who was 13 at that time when we came over from Vietnam, you know, six months in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, not knowing any English, English is a second language. So I don't know how they navigated themselves. Yeah. The Ford LTD, all eight of us in the car. And back then, obviously, no seat belts, no car seats, you know. <laughs> so we all the way back down to Mississippi, Gulf Coast, Mississippi, because we did the fishing industry in Vietnam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where that's where we end up. And then eventually we moved to Rockport, which my mom's family was settled in Rockport. And I remember I told you the story that I grew, we were in a small village south of Saigon called Binda. Mm-hmm. Translation of Binda is Port of Rock. Oh, nice. We settled in Rockport for the last 48 years. Yeah. Seven years. Wow. Yeah. So dad, I, you're growing up in, in <laughs> you're growing up in Rockport as a kid. You're obviously football finds you in high school. What, what's the family doing during this time in the restaurant business? Yeah, my mom was uh, really at first with the shrimping industry of the shrimping business. Uh, we were in government housing uh, when I first got there. We all first got there. And what happens is that obviously it's almost like Vietnamese and Spanish people are very similar with ethnic uh, relationships and 
And um, so everything was Mikasa Mukasa. I was talking about, right? It's my house, your house, and yeah. it's my. So they did was they got together two, three families together, got a little shrimp boat, and they they did the savings and spread the profits, and then eventually had multiple shrimp boats. And then uh, my dad decided, hey, in Vietnam, I did the marine supply, and I was like, I want to sell my shrimp boat to buy this building to supply all the marine supplies to all the shrimpers or yeah. the fishermen in in the area. And um, so we did that, and then there was a little room, I don't know, maybe 20 by 20, maybe mm-hmm. 400 square foot, if that. And uh, mom would go with my dad at 4 o'clock in the morning. My brother would go out shrimping. My dad would open the marine supplies just in case anybody needs a last-minute thing uh, for, their, for their catch of the day. So mom would make coffee. And then by lunch, a little bit after lunch, mom would make lunch. And she's like, dude, why would I keep making this stuff and – and don't get no money from it. So she decided to open that restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so in 93, she decided to open the restaurant, which is still running now down in South Texas, called Who Dat. Who Dat, yes. So my, uh, my family owns a Who Dat restaurant in Rockport, uh, Corpus Christi, and Gregory Portland, that little South Texas area. And um, So and this so is took, in your blood. I so, didn't realize so, that. So yeah, yeah, took, yeah, yeah. So my brother's name is, my next brother is uh, Hung, H-U-N-G. Mom took his first two letters of his name mm-hmm. and took my name, so made a who dat Vietnamese restaurant. Still going oh. strong. Yeah. So my sister. What about the there. older brother though? He gets left out. He's a shrimp. He was a shrimper, but he's you know he's um, now he owns um, yogurt shops down oh. at Corpus Christi. But cool. he was the one. He was 18 years old. Guess what? Five years. Yeah, five six six years in. He was 13. We came over at 18 years old. We graduated from high school when he got out of high school. His gift was a shrimp bowl, so we had a shrimp yeah. bowl. Oh, yeah. yeah so Not named after a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think about the split up of uh, kid to parents on that in that LTD of eight people in there. Like you we go were, three in the front and five in the back. I don't really know how. We to... were down in the down in the bottom of the, the, the feet. Yeah, that's, the shoes that's the nap so area. Small. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Go ahead, take your nap down there. <laughs> All right, Dad. So you're in high school in Rockport. You're obviously a good high school player. You start getting recruited by schools like Michigan. You mentioned mm-hmm. UCLA, Notre Dame, Texas, Texas A and M. Texas A and M obviously piqued your interest the most. So you sign with Texas A and M. You're off to college. Everybody. This is one thing that was one thing I love about you. Just reading about you over the years is. Everybody always told you, I'm guessing throughout your career, that you're too small. You're, Dad, you're too small. You were uh, 5'11", 238 at A&M. Mm-hmm. Obviously, let's talk about A&M a little bit. You're part of this thing called the Wrecking Crew, yeah, which yeah. was uh, for a lot of Aggies, which we all have friends or Aggies, is a very, very special thing. Yeah, it is a special place. And you know what's crazy? Um, I always think back about my career, right? So we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Snapchat. No. It is any of these social media outlet or we didn't have many, if even one recruiting outlet yeah. during that time in 1994, uh, going back to my recruiting process. Um, it's, you know, you, you I went to A&M, I signed with A&M and, um, and when I got to A&M, I didn't realize how many people signed, you know what I mean? I got there, I said, Hey, introduce everybody. There was 28 of us. And I was like, one, two, three, four guys I just met are linebackers. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, did I sign as a linebacker or did I sign as a punter? I don't yeah. know. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so I was like doing the math. I was like, okay, this famous wrecking crew defense, right? Three defensive linemen, four linebackers, and there's five of us that sign. One of us is not going to play. <laughs> so um, God and behold, I was the one that had a red shirt. I was the one that um, really had a lot of doubts. And uh, if the transport is the transfer po- portal, is that easy now? I would have been out of A and M. Really? Because yeah. It, it, because it was. I knew I was going to play the guy that was 
I was going to be back up. I was going to be in an all-American high school place. going to start the next three years. So, um, you know, I, at that time was the low of low. I did that whole year. And it was the best thing for me. And, and it made me even stronger as, as I grew and I mature. But at 17 years old, man, when you're getting recruited by all these universities and, and telling you everything you wanted to hear, and then you show up to campus, like, dude. We got more this, yeah, people is, than we do spots. Yeah, and, and, and so so I went back to high school, and I talked to my high school coach, who was a baseball player for A&M. He played for the Colt 45, which became the, the Houston mm-hmm. Astros. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there for like 20-plus years with the, uh, with the organization. And I, I, when we talked, we, we were, he was really a mentor for me. And mm-hmm. he said, Dad, athletics is going to end one day, son. Go back and get the education. So I went back, provide, reorganized my priorities, and I made uh, academically getting a degree, number one. And then school was two. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I said, like, man, when I made the decision, 6 o'clock I was at the weight room, go to class at 8, I came back at lunch, was back in the weight room. Came back at four with the team in the weight room mm-hmm. for a whole year. I did three times a day, three days, three days every, for the whole year. And I said, I just want an opportunity. I'm Asian. I'm small. Yeah. I'm not fast. But you can lift want some weights. I just, wanted, I, just wanted, I just wanted an opportunity. Yeah. Because it was weights, it was speed, agility, whatever I needed to work on. And, then, and during that time, I learned about the game because I understood hey, this is a situation stuff. This is down and distance. All this stuff I was watching film and understanding a little bit more besides just the physicality of the game, which is obviously you need. So, uh, so I did that, and I said, hey, I'll just work myself all the way to be a backup to that high school All-American, the mm-hmm. parade All-American, the number one recruit in the state of Texas. He was, he was assigning group with us as a linebacker. Who was it? Uh, Trent Driver. And uh, out of Cleveland, Texas. Great guy, great guy. And um, so I worked all, all year to be his backup. So went through spring ball, everything. It's like, oh, man, so for two more years or maybe three years, he'll start. My senior year, I'm going to have a chance to start. So that was my goal. Yeah. Hey, just be a contributor on special teams. And then, and then uh, one day, maybe your senior year, you'll start. And then so we got all the way. Went through, we went through uh, for fall camp. And then that Wednesday, leading up to the opening kickoff of the 95 season the following year, uh, I was a redshirt freshman, um, and that Wednesday, Coach Slocum goes, hey, guys, get on the line. We're going to run sprints. So we got ran sprints back, forth. All of a sudden, he, sprint, he steps in a sprinkler head. He can't oh, well. play. Oh, seriously. Guess who had to start? That's how my career and started. That, that's how it left off. If, if you were <laughs> that, so what, what would you, I was going to ask you the question, you kind of answered it. What would you think got you to where you were in high school to with the player? Was it, was this all this hard, that's your, that's your secret sauce is the hard work you put into it. To be, well, to high it. school, I don't think I was more lazy than high school. I like basketball. I think I was more athletic just because that's how I made it. And, mm-hmm. and like I told you guys earlier, there was no media outlet. That athleticism so, came from all that traveling in your mom's womb yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I had to, you know, I was a deckhand on the shrimp boat. So that's, <laughs> you know, my quick yeah. hands on and off, you know, yeah. off the lineman, right? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> but uh, but what's, what's funny answering your question is that I wasn't really athletic. I was athletic in high school, but we didn't have recruiting. So um, December 1st, first day a head coach can be at your house in 1994, 8 o'clock in the morning, get a knock on the door. I opened the door and I was like, whoa, Gary Mola, the head coach from University of Michigan, mm. wants to talk to mom and dad about, hey, coming up to visit Michigan. And I was like, whoa, I can't translate. 
Yeah. Mom and dad doesn't speak any English. So I had to call my cousin, who was really the pioneer of uh, football uh, down in South Texas. He's the first one that played, and he's really opened the doors for all of us to play. So he comes over, and he's starstruck. He's like, oh, man, this guy, I see him every Saturday on TV, and he's here Mm -hmm. 3,000 miles away. So um, we visited and then they said, uh, mom and dad's like, I just put your sister through school. I know how expensive it is. Nobody's going to pay you to go to school in college, especially college and to play football. Like, Imagine no, that. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of pay, we got a real quick uh, shout out to Captex Bank. Not that they pay for players to go to college, but always probably help on the banking <laughs> side of things, local bank. And just thanks to Mike Thomas again yep. for that. Thank you, Mike. And Brenton, just so you know, it worked out really well for him at A&M. He had 51 career starts, 517 career tackles, which is an A&M record, the record. Uh, he's the only Aggie to ever lead the team four consecutive years, part of the, rec- the wrecking crew we mentioned. He's generally – this is this is the cool part, and that you can you can confirm this or deny it, but you're generally considered the best defensive player in A&M no, history. No, that A lot of people say this, that, and you ha- I think you probably know you're in the, you're in the discussion, so – I want you to take me down there and show me that sprinkler head that guy fell off. <laughs> Not only that, Britton, in 88, in 1998, he was an All-American at the Chuck Bidnerick Award, the Best Defensive Player, won the Lombardi, Best College Lineman, the Jack Lambert Award, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, uh, runner-up for the Butkus. You lost by the by – <laughs> to who do you lose to? Uh, Chris Claiborne. Yeah, so TCU played uh, – I, I played USC, TCU yeah. in my, my junior year against USC and Chris Claiborne. Yep, he was big. That was the year, so – uh, you're in the Hall of Fame at A&M, college, at Cotton Bowl Hall of Fame, all-time Big 12 team, Sport Texas Sports Hall of Fame. You mentioned these are all these are all from his A&M days, and he truly was yeah. one of the legends of all time. Real, before we move on to the next round, what was your favorite game you ever had? You ever played? At A&M? Uh, I think it has to be. God, so sad to say that with the, the lone championship here, the last 20 plus years of A&M football, well, the Big 12 championship, we went to play Kansas State, and um, we were. Obviously, we were the underdog. We just lost the University of Texas uh, in the last minute. We already clinched the South, Big 12 South, and, and Kansas State was the number two team in the country uh, during that time. And um, we go play up there at the uh, St. Louis, uh, what's that, the um, Bush? Um, the Dome. The Dome. The uh, TCA mm-hmm. Dome. Or oh, something. yeah. The RCA, yeah. Or whatever. TCA, whatever that is. This is football, not yeah. baseball, Brent. <laughs> but uh, we went up there and we were Dome. severely. It was it was lopsided. They had about sixty thousand people, and we had five thousand people that made a travel because they they yeah. were number two, and we just yeah. lost to Texas. So, so um, nobody really gave us a chance. We were the underdog, and um, we were playing the game. The game was going back and forth, and then all of a sudden they took the lead, and they were up by twenty something points at one time. And then, and then all of a sudden the announcer went on the microphone and said, uh, "The number one team, UCLA." Played Miami because that hurricane came into Miami right, be- right before that season started, and they had to po- postpone that game to the okay. end of the season. So they just got on the microphone and announced that uh, UCLA has just lost to the University of Michigan uh, to University of um, Miami. So they they went bananas because they now they're going to Tia's Fiesta Bowl. They're gonna be the number one team in the country. Yeah. So she, they're throwing orange, they're throwing everything on the field, and <laughs> and it was going, it was just erupted, right? So we're like, oh shoot, now it's over for us, right? So we're playing, and then we're down by 15 points, and there was like four minutes and 16, remember, four minutes and 16 seconds left in the game, <laughs> and we're down by two scores. And uh, I remember R.C. Slocum came over to the defense, and he put his hand on our shoulders, and he talked to us. He goes, guys, just make one play, just make one play. And I looked up that clock, and I was like, 
416, down by 15. Here's the like, doubter again. And I was like, oh, man, we have – it's kind of hard to get this one because they're the number one team now, right? Your brains, you're, you're thinking that. So, all of a sudden, we get the ball. We get – we go in the, the next series. We forced a fumble, got the ball back. We came down, scored. And then the defense up, scores? Offense scored. Okay. And then uh, we, we kicked the field goal down by, down by eight. And then uh, next series, we picked the ball off. On Michael Bishop, he threw an in route. We picked it off, and then uh, we drove down. We scored and convert the two point conversion. No kidding. Now it's tied overtime. So we're going to overtime, back and forth. And then what's crazy in the third overtime, you had to go for two. And um, I think we were the kick field, field, field goal. And then we went down, and, and really Sir Parker ran a slant, and uh, Brian, Brian, Brandon Stewart hit him. And we won the Stephenville game. product, Brandon yeah, Stewart. Yep. yep, and uh, and that might be the most exciting game of my career because it was like it was so high, so low, and then so high. Then yeah, like it was unbelievable. And and I don't know. I think that's it's awesome that's hearing you describe cool. it. Yeah. So what yeah, is, what who, what does Coach Slocum, RC Slocum, what does he mean to you? Well, he's obviously gonna be the biggest one of the biggest part of my life, and. Um, you know, he just, um, I got an omission out of um, cancer, just surpassed cancer. So he's done with cancer, which is great. That's great. Uh, 12, 12, 12 sessions or 12 um, mm-hmm. treatment that he just went through. So it was tough. But he's unbelievable. The guy, um, you know, he's just one of those guys that that always is there mm-hmm. for you. And, and if you need somebody to talk to, he's there to talk to. And, and I think he helped me a lot growing as a, a young man right because you were a kid man i was a kid 17 18 years old yeah i didn't know any better and then and then what's stuck to me though the first day we got to texas a&m when i saw those other four linebackers mm-hmm. who sat down in a um in an auditorium which is a little no wasn't that big it was a cane hall which is a is a uh, his, his history site i guess for the dormitory for all student athletes and um, we sat in the auditorium. He says, look to your left and look to your right. Three years from now, one of those guys is not going to be here. Mm-hmm. Reality kicked in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and out of those 28 guys or 26 guys that we signed that year, I don't think there's only like 10 of us that were there to win the Big 12 championship. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Are you like all Aggies we know? Is there a, is there a disdain for the university in, in Austin? Are you a, are you a fan? or? Mm, I mean, I'm – I, I, I don't have nothing against them. I, I think I, you know, I respect a lot of them. Like, you know, there's a lot of people like Rick, Rick Williams, who I had to play four years of my career against. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the better, you know, he's, he's one of the best running backs I've played against. Yeah. You know, if not, I think Curtis Martin is number one in my, in my career. Uh, Ricky's not far from that. He's, you know, at least two or three. But um, I think everybody, uh, even Mac Brown was a coach during that time when we were there. He's still, you know, he's the first one to send me a letter to congratulate me. Uh, for winning, being an All-American, a winning award. So it's yeah. kinda, I don't have anything against them. It's just that, you know, it's, sure. just, it's just fun competitive. But I wish that game will come back, the bragging rights of those two teams. Uh, hopefully we get a chance to play them again, or I guess we will here yep, in a few years. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it, it's, you know, for so many years, that's, that's all it's about. Yeah. I mean, it was just yeah. bragging rights. And, and it's, most of all, it's just fun for our family and friends get together for the Thanksgiving weekend. And then to be able to sit there and just – Oh, my team's gonna win, or your team's yes. whatever it is. Yeah. But but it but that's you lose that. And and talking about Texas, um, <laughs> we played Texas my last year, and I, I said earlier that we lost that game, right? We lost that close game. Man, you know, Major Applewhite was a quarterback. He was a redshirt yeah. freshman quarterback. He drove them down, and and um, we had a chance to uh, to to seal the game or to end the game. But um, 
it was a pick. He ran in route and then we were about to pick it off and somebody tipped the ball and the ball never. And then the next play, he hit, he hit uh, a receiver that ran all the way down and kicked the field goal and beat us. But um, I left that game with my mom because it was Thanksgiving. And during that time, coach said, hey, if your parents are here, you can leave with them and I'll see you back on Monday or mm-hmm. Sunday night uh, study hall. So that was the first time that I experienced anything crazy as I did leaving the stadium. Mm-hmm. So I'll go out and there's that, they have this parking garage and uh, this parking garage, had all these, obviously they're drunk and you know, mm. and they're loaded from the game. Football oh, fans? No. That's that win. So they start chunking bottles at me. Seriously? Yeah, wow. dude, it was crazy stuff. Like, man. And so your mom? My mom was with me. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, the br- yeah, brutal. Yeah, brutal. It was brutal. It was, but Since you know, you pl- part of it. You played Ricky, you said four years. Did you guys have an in game rivalry thing? Like, would you tackle him or he'd run around? Would you guys have a thing because you guys know each other so well on the field? Well, we really knew each other on the field, but it's just more respect. And I think as we went to our senior year and, um, you know, all the awards, after the season, I got to know him. I know his you know, mom, Sandy, and got to know his twin sisters. Mm-hmm. So we all went all the same places. Yeah. You know what I mean? The yeah. Maxwell, we went to obviously Orlando when we had that ESPN deal. So we spent a lot of time together. But it's, um, you know, I think it's more of just talking about life. Like, you know, just, you know. Was he really, hard to tackle? Oh, he's, yeah. He's, he's like he's a train. Just, he's, he, he's a young Earl Campbell, if you really put him in the category of those big thighs. And, and he's faster than he – I mean, he's fast. Yeah. Like, you don't realize how fast that guy is. But you can feel it when you try to – Oh, yeah, bring you bring the thumbs. Like, I told people that when I, when I used to play for the Cowboys and there was a guy named Roy Williams, the other Williams. Yeah. When he comes and hits somebody, you can, you can feel the vibration. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, you can hear the other guys, yeah. right? It's just like Ricky, man. When Ricky I, – I, I had a stinger against Ricky, I think, or the year – the sophomore year. And I bought you, I got, I got a stinger. I can feel my whole arm. And I, I played, you know, the whole, the whole series. And I bet you that might have been the hardest hit. And I bet you he just popped up and right, <laughs> he right. got a big old smile, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's how he is. He's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Before we move on to the, your Cowboys, which you just alluded to, can we, can we get an Aggie whoop out of you? Is that something we can do? Whoop? What? <laughs> Giga Maggies? Mm-hmm. There's something, there a thumb involved somewhere? Uh, thumb. Yeah. Something like so that's that. That's a double gigum. So you finished up your A&M career that you're a third round pick of the Cowboys. Uh, Then it gets really, you go through the same stuff. Everybody says, oh, he's too small to play at the Cowboys. Uh, You played from 99 to 05 for a guy named Bill Parcells. Uh, Phenomenal. Yeah, interesting, phenomenal, legendary coach. Uh, 01, 03, 04, you led the Cowboys in tackles, which is just stands to, it shows incredible the work ethic you put into it. You got what you you were seeking. Started 65 games, 516 tackles, uh, six sacks, seven INTs with the Cowboys. You retired in 2006 because of injury troubles, but um, you ranked 10th all-time in Cowboys history in tackles. I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, let's talk Cowboys for a second. If can. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a lot to cover there, and we got we only have a limited amount of time. My partner's going to probably start playing the exit music here. Oh, no, I like out. that. He's cool. Okay, cool. I can chill with him. You know, I got a lot of stories with the Cowboys. The first day I got to the Cowboys, we got drafted, right? So you get it drafted, and, and – during that time, when you get drafted the following week is minicamp, right? Yeah. It's like rookie minicamp. So really, with, with Chan Gailey, they brought everybody in. So uh, all the veterans were there, too. So I walk in the first day, and I see Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson, or we call him Woody. He looks over. He goes, hey, Dad, congratulations. Love the way you play the game of football. But just remember, you'll be a former player longer than you'll be a player. 
didn't resonate then. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh man, like the off season, I remember I thought, it's like, what was Woody trying to tell me? Because you know, I was on cloud nine. You yeah. just drafted, you yeah. play high school ball in Texas, you play college yeah. ball in Texas now, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's crazy, right? You play for for, for the Cowboys now. And that, that's America's team. You came from America, play America's sport. Now you play for the America's team, right? How crazy is all this stuff? So Woody tells me that. And then we go through practice and um, we go through meetings and then we go to practice. And the first day of practice, they go out there and, and you know, it's from A&M. Our, our, our playbook is about an inch thick or so at A&M. Yeah. Uh, the Cowboys is about, you know, three or four just because they have every situation, every down distance, everything you can think of, it's in there. And, and obviously football is a 24-hour deal. It's not, hey, you don't go to class, you don't worry about school. You know what I mean? Just every yeah. football. So um, halfway through seven on seven, this drill that we do, seven on seven, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, tight ends versus linebackers, safeties, or defensive back. So um, halfway through the, right, the drill, Dave Campbell, who was our defensive coordinator, goes, hey, Dad, Dad, get in there. I was like, what? I was like, hey, I'm a rookie. I was like, yeah. And I was like, dude, I play 50 plus games at AM. I know what I'm doing. So I go in and I get the signals from coach. My back's turned from the offense. And then all of a sudden, we break the huddle and I look over. It was Troy Aikman. Oh. I look to behind him. It was Emmett Smith. Holy cow. <laughs> I look to my right, it's Michael Irvin. They snapped the ball. I didn't even move. <laughs> oh my God. I was starstruck, man. Yeah. Like this guy, yeah. used, this guy I watch on Sundays after our games on Saturdays. Yeah. Know, for so long. And and it was pretty cool. And um How long but, does it take to get over that though? Oh, man, I better get over quick. That was it. Couple, yeah, couple one, plays. Yeah, one, yeah. one, one play. Well, that was it. No, next play you had to go on because you couldn't you couldn't look you can't look back, right? So yeah. but um but that was my first experience with with those guys and it was it was pretty cool. But Parcells, go back to Coach Parcells. You mentioned him. He's, mm-hmm. I learned more football in four years with Coach Parcells than I did 20 years prior to that. And he just made the game so interesting. Situational football. We we go play the Giants. You guys are Cowboy fans out there. Um, we were the first year that he was there against the New York Giants. He's going back to New York where he won two Super Bowl. You know, he's, he's, he's excited. He's pumped, right? So we do the situation in training camp. We call it 62 Max Cafe XQ, which is three by one if you guys play football. And then the backside runs a seven cut or a cue, which means if it's a cover two, he runs a free safety and he cuts the cue. I got it. I got, got all it. that. Yeah, and that then the other me. guys on the front side, which is the three guys, <laughs> is going to be just a decoy. So uh, so we did we did all that about three times in the, in the game. He goes, in practice, and he goes, hey, this situation might never come up in a game. But if it does, you better know it. So we're like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, because we we just thinking that yeah. this is new to us too. Because you play Apple football for so long, and I think I knew everything. And this guy comes in, and he has all the situations, like every situation you can think of: short safety, long safety, you name it. So we go play the Giants, Monday night football. We were leading the whole game. And all of a sudden, Giants came back. I hear he caught the ball, and they ran. They got this cuts down, and they were up by seven. Up by three. I'm sorry, up by three, and we're down by. We were down by three. They kicked the, the kickoff. Remember this ball that hit the pylon and went out of bounds? Mm-hmm. With 11 seconds left in the game, some of the Cowboy fans will remember. Right. So if you kick the ball, go out of bounds before you get to the end zone, the ball is replaced at the 40-yard line. For real? Yeah. So, so yes. the ball is placed at the 40-yard line. No I'll, timeouts. I'll, I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> no timeouts, right? And we have the one play that all of us say, oh, shoot, 62 Max Cafe XQ. So all of us knew on the sideline that, hey, the ball, this is decoy. Antonio, Brown, Antonio Bryant's going to run this seven cut on the backside. And uh, Quincy Carter's going to take his five-step drop. He's going he's gonna to throw it to that seven cut. So um, 
Got him behold. 25-yard gain. He catches the ball, went out of bounds. We kicked a 52-yard field goal, tied the game, went to overtime, got the ball, drove down, kicked the field goal, and won the game. We're like, holy smoke, this guy. Now, we weren't a good football team. We were 5-11 and 11 for our three consecutive years. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all of us rallied because we thought, dude, this dude just won a game because of one situation we practiced. Yep. Yes. You know what I mean? That so, was like a, like a situation that – you would never think of. Never think of. And, and it's crazy. Clearly, if I've never heard of it. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> follow, and the following week, I'll tell you one more story. Uh, the following week, so we were off a Monday night. So we're off the next Monday night. So we're watching uh, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, which Belichick is a disciple of Bill Parcells, right? So they go play mile high up in Denver. And the wind's gusting. It's blowing. And, and um, you need Den- your own podcast, man. <laughs> You're good Den- storytelling. Denver, Denver was up by four. Okay. New England was backed up on the one-yard line going out. Wind's blowing to the face. So they said, okay, if we kick the ball, punt the ball, the ball's going to land on the 30, maybe the 30-yard line. If it's a kick, good punt. If they kick a field goal, you're down by seven. Score a touchdown, game over. So they took a short safety. So now six point behind instead of seven. So now you have a chance to kick the ball. New England kicked the ball to Denver, down by six, stopped them, got the ball back, drove down. Uh, Tom Brady hit David Givens in the back corner. Won the game by one. Guess what? Who played that play? So that t- Monday night or the Tuesday night, we came back. Or we came back for our meeting. Guess what? He played. He played that. He talked about the situations. Like, oh, mm-hmm. that's what we practiced. This is why we did this. The short yeah. safety. Yeah. Right. You know all this stuff. So it's was fa- it's fascinating. So I watch football now totally different yep. from what I did because you learned ago, so because much from, from him. Yeah. Situation like ta- like you're talking about Belichick. You're talking about Sean Payton. You know those guys. It's not just the X's and O's. It's like when do you make that situation? play yeah you know, like saying win the Super Bowl I guess you gotta have some well to kick that onside kick right before oh, yeah right after yeah. the half right so does so, that decision I can ask both of you does that decision making come more from the coach and your execution or does that decision making come from you like saying I gotta make this decision because we preparing coach, you for coach, the decision coach do all that but they, they put you in like a like a timeout so for example if you're down it's called four morning drill so defensively Hey, if they run the ball, we call timeout so we get the ball back. So you, yeah. you, time is sure you got to get the top ball back somehow. If they throw the ball, then you don't want to waste that timeout. So we practice all that stuff where now the players are aware, yeah. but the coach has got to put them in a position. Okay. And then remind them real quick because that's what's so cool about Purcell is that I tell people all the time, it's like, man, it's, it's, it's fascinating because another thing that he does was f- crazy. is like there's 17 crews of referees in the National Football League. 15 of them work every week. So we are what? Humans are what? You guys know? Creatures of? Habit. For sure. So every crew will call something within a few weeks down the road. Hey, this crew would call a lot of pass interference. Guess mm. what? Defensive back, keep your hands in. Hey, this team calls a lot of holding. This crew does. Guess what? Office linemen, keep your elbows in, hands in. You know, because that's changing. Yeah. That's the hidden yeah. yardage. Nobody talks about. Penalty, man, Coach Parcell was talking about. If, if turnovers are the same and you watch a football game, College is a little bit more different because there's more possessions. Back then, it was very similar to the NFL. Now it's changed because of the, the spread. But the NFL is still the same by, okay, if the turnovers are the same, if you watch the box score, you even watch the game. You don't even watch the game. You just look at the box score. You go, okay, uh, passing yards, rushing yards, return yards, and penalties. You minus all those. Every 50 yards, if this team on the left is 50 yards plus on yardage, they will win by three points. If they're plus by 100, it's seven points. Interesting. 
Can you come to Vegas with me sometime? <laughs> hey, but speaking of cruise, let's get on to the kind of the next part of oh, your. Can, can I finish up real quick? This is worth <laughs> noting. Trust me. Did you see how I was trying <laughs> see, to transition us, Dad? And then him. what did he no. stop? No. He was defensive this, player, I guess. This here. isn't a transitional point, by the way. So, is there a point in your Cowboys career when you were like, when you knew that you could actually play this game at this mm-hmm. level? There's there a point when that all happened to you. Yeah, I think it's like anything. As a freshman going to college. Uh, it's the same. The speed of the game kind of slows down. And I think in the National Football League, like, like man, I, I practice every day against a guy that's a Hall of Famer uh, named Larry Allen. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? When you when you practice against him, games are like, it's, like, it's easy, right? And, and, and I think when you work out and you be around people and you see the speed of the game, uh, eventually it slows down for you. But, man, at one time, I think when – I think in 2000, my, my best year in 2003, in I was like, man, I, f- I felt like I was – I, I could do anything. I, I not anything, but I felt like I was one of the better players in the yeah. National Football League because I had confidence, I had ability, I understand that I had worked, you know. And then all of a sudden, bam! The following year, I was done. Like you know, what I mean, it's, it was so crazy that mm-hmm. I, I was that off season before I decided to retire. I felt the best, and yeah. that was two thousand and five. You know, was, it's interesting. I'm not trying to tell your story, but you talked about both of those scenarios at A and M and at the Cowboys. Mm. There's this little word humility that happened too. Like yeah. you, there were two things that you specifically brought up that took place that kind of set you in a mindset probably to take on all of that. And yeah. it was probably just a little bit of putting that ego aside and then listening to those coaches like that. I mean, I know you know that and I know our listeners hear that, but it was just kind of telling to me that in both of those scenarios, you talked about those first things happening at those first practices mm-hmm. when you line up against those guys and then an A&M like that. So it's good. Yeah. Right, favorite moment in Cowboys for you? Favorite moment? Oh, golly, we had so many. I think I don't know. There's games. I mean, we didn't win enough games. Obviously, um, a lot of five and eleven season doesn't help. Uh, I think the locker room is the best part. Like you know, I, I always tell people uh, I miss the. It, it might be the only place in the world that you can say you don't get sued for harassment. You know what I mean? Everything goes, man. It's like, like it, it goes. Like, you know, Michael Towel Hurt. pops? I mean, oh, is that? Oh, uh, well, that's like, minor compared to, yeah. No, seriously? Like, oh, shoot. That's, yeah. <laughs> it, but, it, but it's just like anything from not just the locker room, but like on the plane. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Guys getting busted for wearing crazy clothes, right? Suits, you know, purple suits on the plane. Like, what the? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Barney, what are you doing on a bus? You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. just, but, they're, but they're so quick and witty. That's what's so crazy. Like, some of these players, you know, the Tony Romo of the world. Like, Tony... I'll tell you, Tony. Tony was a rookie, rookie, second year, third year. So he was three years. We had played with Tony for three years. He didn't even scratch. He wasn't even on the field the first two years. And um, I can tell you he was a rookie quarterback. And Dexter Coakley and myself, on Fridays, we call it Perfect Fridays. Yeah. Right? Mike Zimmer was the defensive coordinator during that time with Bill Parcells. He's like, hey, we don't make mistakes. Everything we do, we don't have that many plays of practice. But when we do it, it got to be perfect. So here we get a little – kid out of eastern illinois you know what i mean and and what's crazy is that he would get the ball and he knows at that time that hey linebackers are reading my eyes they don't know what kind they kind of know position you know formation and etc but they read my, so he snaps the ball and he flip his hips and then he lick his eyes all the way to the right and then knowing that there's a back end cut on the back side so dexter cloaked and myself always looking at the quarterback we're sprinting this way he's like oh we're gonna get this little rookie and he just throws it back to court. It's like a little mm. giggy, you know what I mean? It's like giggling and him and Witten, you know, and, and they came in together, obviously, yeah. and the roommates. But, man, it, it was crazy. Like, that guy was 
good then, but obviously he turned out to be. Was there a lot of like kidding and laughter about those types of things afterwards too? Just the way that, oh, yeah, like that's his personality. We want, yeah, we want to tie him to the goalposts and then we you know, <laughs> dump ice on him. We would, man, it was, <laughs> yeah. But you know, he, he was, he's so savvy. It's crazy. I, I tell people, I was like, he knows he made a mistake and he knows somebody's going to get after him because, you know, he, he, he kind of takes somebody off in practice. So he kind of like walks away and, and, and hides for a little bit yeah. and, and then calms down and yeah. then he comes in. But he's smart, the guy. Hey, I, I wish he would have won more games too because I think I'll go back to that year when he he blotched that field goal. That's a year that Parcel, Coach Parcel would tell you that game that they had a chance to even come back if we stopped uh, the running back, uh, Steven Alexander, uh, and, and make him punt the ball. He still had a chance to win that game. But uh, he, he, he would tell you that, man, I, I wish I would have pulled the trigger a little bit sooner on Bledsoe because he had so much loyalty for Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. And um, they, if he would have played one game sooner that they would never be in the wild card. They won the division and played at home. Oh. And they were the hottest team mm-hmm. in the National Football League during that time too. Do Good thing you, you don't think anything yeah. about strategy. I mean, you know, it doesn't seem like a strong point with you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing those memories. Now, this is the transitional period. You can the transition. Oh, it's yes. over. I mean, that was we like five talk, plays ago. We could talk about this this stuff for hours. <laughs> I know. We're limited by time. As yeah. You know. So, okay. what, so yeah, tell us what you do now, Dad, and and with crews because there's a crew thing that I'll get to. Okay, I am. Um, I'm now an um, owner operator of a Chick Fil A here in Montgomery Plaza. Um, so. I thought about coaching football when I got done playing. I, I, I did a little thing about coaching. I coached three years with the Cowboys and two years with A&M. I think that was going to be at A&M for the rest of my career as a coach. And unfortunately, Coach, coach Von Miller. Uh, we, we, I helped Coach Von Miller. God, <laughs> that guy. I would never think he turned out to be as good as he is because I just came from the Cowboys. Getting back to football. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I went to the please. Cowboys. And, There's and, these and, red and, signs and had, here that say Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and, I had, <laughs> and I had DeMarcus Ware. And I had Anthony Spencer, two first rounders. Yeah. You know, DeMarcus West is going to be Hall of Famer here soon. But I had both of those guys, and I look at Vaughn, and Vaughn is not really that same long, you know, because <laughs> defensive ends or the outside linebackers, you got to have length. They call it length, arm length, so you can get those linemen off. You of know him. so little about this game, yeah. Dad. It just surprises me. <laughs> but Vaughn but Vaughn turned out to be unbelievable. He's, guys, I'm so thankful. You know, he's, he's a great ambassador for the University of Texas A&M, so I'm, I'm happy for him and happy to see his career. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but so going you back said, to, I'm not going to coach. I mean, or yeah, I, I was going to coach, coach and then I wasn't going to coach because it wasn't fair for my family to move all around the country after a few years. And yeah. so I decided, uh, I thought about it, my mom doing the restaurant business. And, uh, and I was like, wow, man, she impacted so many people, employees and relatives. And I was like, golly, that's what I want. Because really coaching football is what you do, right? You give them, it's yeah. not about winning and losing. It's about giving this opportunity to kid like a Von Miller, going back to his story. Von Miller was kicked off the team his sophomore year at Texas A&M. And he packed his bag. He moved, drove down 35 North, and his dad said, get your booty back. If not, you got to have a place to stay. He took back. He came back, had a suspension, and guess what? Look at his career now. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? But those are the guys you give opportunity to, and that's what I – so my mom did that for so many years, and, and I thought about, hey, the restaurant business can tr- treat it just like a football team. And that's basically why you go to my store right now, you walk in, they will tell you. Did we win this month? And we didn't. Did we win this day? Did we knock down? You know, I mean, they, they evaluate players. Who's my five star? Who's my one star? You know, I mean, who who's gonna? We were trying to a lot of screaming and yelling inside yeah. the restaurant. And, 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 oh, <laughs> but crews, but crews. You probably have different crews, right? Like all the time. Yeah. I've noticed there's certain crews at the Chick Fil A by mine that yes. short me a fry, or they're not as large of a fry that they get, <laughs> and they short you a nugget too. <laughs> yeah, four. Yeah, so, you, you know, so, so we do have shifts, and and that's. 
part of leadership. So what I do is that I'm an operator. I take myself as a head coach, and then I got coordinators that yeah. runs the team. And the offense is the really offense is really the kitchen. Defense is really the front counter. Kitchen's because the offensive line are the food. The food is the most important thing of the whole business. Without the food, that's the heartbeat of your team. The offensive linemen don't get any credit. People in the kitchen don't get any credit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's kind of similar. In you hear a lot that, J-Dub? Offensive line, not yeah. D-line. Okay. <laughs> I heard it. But, yeah. uh, but that's what I do, and, and my purpose is all about giving kids an opportunity. I, I, you heard my story. Uh, we come in from America with nothing, living government housing, and, and have a chance to fulfill the dream. You know what I mean? I always thought about growing up watching football. When I first got introduced to the game of football, I, mean, I want to be the next Walter Payton. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sweetness. Yeah. and. And I dreamed about that stuff. So here for me, I just give them a platform and I give them a, 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 just a, a platform for them to do what they want to do. And I, I got a lot of, you know, I don't want to sit here and pat my back, but we have a lot of testimony about kids and pursuing dreams and, and going to colleges, which a lot of them didn't because mm-hmm. a lot of my kids are from the inner city of Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Is that some of the reason you picked Chick-fil-A? Because, I mean, everybody's kind of heard about that Chick-fil-A program. It's yeah, like it's phenomenal. Top-notch. Did and you have to go to school for like four more years? They, hear about, <laughs> they say that I too like about I Chick-fil-A. Didn't. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I didn't get to, but we, we did it on a, a quick um, quick training program that we yeah. do. And, and for, for Only NFL athletes <laughs> get kind of thing, yeah. Well, <laughs> except, except for Mike Janicek. You know our friend Mike yeah. Janicek? Mike, well, Mike's View. great, yes. Mike's great. He's, um, he's a pioneer. He's really the first... Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas Fort Worth, really the Fort Worth area operator, and yeah. so he is really. I'm looking forward to meet up with him again soon here because I would like to catch up some stories. Because uh, you know, Truett Cathy passed away, the founder of Chick Fil A, in 2014, which I didn't get to meet. But uh, but everything I've heard and read and the story and the legend or all all the um, the things that you hear about him now, what he did is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Giving kids an opportunity in life is just you know sure. you want to you want to utilize that as much as you can because for me i'm just thankful every day i wake up and and i'll tell i'll tell people all the time it's like I'm, I'm very grateful for everything meaning that when i was in college i didn't really have a job and when i got the cowboys i didn't really have a job and i run a chick-fil-a but i really it's not a job so yeah. for me i go to work and really i just hang out with people yeah more than anything that's what well, i do but you're a great mentor yeah. to those business kids. is good for chick-fil-a for you i don't i yeah, it can be worse right right you know what i mean that's part of life and that's how we look at scenarios in life it's uh it's that um you know, be thankful every day for what you have because you know it can always be worse yeah well you're a wonderfully wonderfully aspiring person you're a humble guy which is awesome mm-hmm. everybody who knows of you thinks the world of you thanks for Thank what you, you do for fort worth for a&m for the cowboys for for people for Im- people that immigrated this country that's an amazing story man so Thank well you. done, well done. Yeah, thank you. So we ended the show just with a like no family because that's just too easy to go to. But like best day of your life. You talked about a the ton best, in here, but the best day of my life. Yeah, it's not oh, your. That's not marriage or kid related. Yeah, best day is my best day of my life is the day the next day I wake up. That's, that's pretty great. good. Yeah. Do you have, do you have family? That we didn't. Ask I got yeah. I, my my. So my wife and I, for twenty one years. Um. So we met at A and M as freshmen. And uh, five kids. I got one at Clemson, and one is a junior in high school. I got a ten-year-old, and God got a sense of humor. Hmm. Uh, gave me twin boys that are six <laughs> years old. <laughs> oh man! Do you guys live over on this side of the Metroplex or over somewhere? We uh, we, we live in Grapevine. Okay. Yeah. yeah we, very we're good. in Grapevine just because my wife lives in downtown Grapevine, and yeah. she loves the area. Um, and we, so which is everything's walking. Yeah. So we just walk everywhere. Yeah. So, That's awesome. You know, what a what a great story, Dad. Thank you for the time. Thank you to Captex Bank for sponsoring this, and uh, give give them a give them a shout out, you guys. They're uh, yeah. they're, they're good good place to start. So thank thanks you, Dad, a ton, Dad. Yep. Thank you. Uh, 
Hey, way, way past. No, you're good. <laughs> We've had longer. Thank you, it's time. Okay, it's time.